the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. And we are back. The time, 6.09 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Privileged to be talking with you. Two lines open, one 888 If you want to enter into the dialogue, one 888 Let me go to line number four and talk with Samuel in Richmond. Samuel, are you there? Yes. Samuel, yes. your question, comment, or observation. Can you cut your radio down, please? Oh, uh, no, I have it off. Okay, great. Uh, What's going on? Oh, I just, um, what you, uh, said earlier about, uh, well, uh, about the, the events taking place in, uh, in the book of Revelation, it kind of just brought some things to mind, how, uh, <clears throat> you know, how, uh, how the ark will be seen and, and, uh, and other things like that. It just kind of like, um, it's all kind of like related to, uh, uh, the seven feasts of the Lord. And that's something I've been looking into a while, and it's been a great blessing. Um, you breaking up on me? Are you on a cell phone? It, it unlocks a lot of. <sighs> so Samuel, you breaking up on me? <laughs> Uh, He's talking about the seven feasts of the Lord. He's probably talking about the feast of Trumpets. I'd love to have a conversation with him on that, but he broke up on me. Let me go to line one and talk. Samuel? Yes? You're breaking up on me, man. Are you driving? No, uh, I'm over here uh, somewhere in Novato. It's kind of like bad signal over here. It kind of comes in and out. I'm sorry about that. Okay, yeah, because you were making mention of the seven trumpet. What 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 fascinates you about that trumpet uh, uh, symbology? No, just about how uh, if you uh, if you study the the seven feast days of the Lord, you know the uh, the seven feasts that are listed in uh, Leviticus 23. Sure. You, you kind of see what's going on, like how the ark being seen and uh, the, the day of vengeance, the Lord re- returning in the white priestly garments. It's kind of like it's a, a Yom Kippur service taking place. They all point to, uh, to the Lord's work, his redemptive work. Yep. And uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's something I've, I've been looking into a while, and, man, I, I encourage everybody to... To really look into it, man, there's some amazing well, things in the scripture. Well, without a doubt, the, the Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And uh, many of the Old Testament typologies will take on a transcendent spiritual reality in the person of Christ. It won't happen on a literal feast day because all the feast days are over with now that we have entered into the new covenant. This is one of the fallacies of a premillennial dispensational uh, framework of eschatology and, and many people who get caught up in dates 
and uh, and things of that nature. Paul plainly told us that we are no longer obligated to observe new moons, feast days, Sabbaths, or the holidays of the Jewish festivals as a kind of uh, time capsule, but their redemptive and spiritual significance still prevails. And I think that when you are getting into the, uh, the seven feasts, uh, those feasts have eternal implications. One of them is Yom Kippur, but the other one is the Day of Trumpets. Uh, that, that final Rosh Hashanah uh, that will take place will be the ushering in of the uh, collapse of, uh, of, of humanity in terms of God's judgments. Uh, this is what we see in the book of Revelation. We see in the book of Revelation uh, trumpets and seals and vile judgments that all correspond with what you're talking about uh, Samuel in terms of the feast day activities. On the one hand it's a day of rejoicing for God's people for God's elect in that the king is coming as you said in all of the regality of uh, coming on a white horse symbolically not literally. This is where I have problems with my dispensational brethren as well. They want to argue that those who hold a millennial view or a preterite view or a partial preterite view or a post view get caught up in spiritualizing but Jesus is not coming back on a literal horse. He's not coming back with a sword literally protruding out of his mouth. And neither are the elect coming back on literal horses. That's symbolism for coming back in power and in authority for the horse represents that instrument of war and battle. And that was the the symbology uh, symbolism that was seen in the Old Testament era where men and women were very much aware that when uh, monarchs would come on horses white horses of that or like the Arabian horses of uh, of the Egyptians and uh, of uh, Alexander the Great those powerful horses were symbols of war and judgment by majestic kings and that symbolism really simply describes the coming of Jesus Christ in the latter days to take vengeance on all those who do not obey the gospel we live in an hour where men and women need to hear the gospel sadly our churches don't really believe this. It does, does not really believe that we're living on borrowed borrow time and that God's providence is a sand clock that is sifting away and that uh, he knows the day and the hour. And we need to be ready at all times for him to return for his bride and then to execute, uh, as you stated very clearly, the final feast judgment that will have two sides to that sword as well. Continue studying, my dear friend. Continue studying. I think I got to take a break. When I come back, I will pick up with Ellen. And then I've got three lines open. one 367 5329 Yeah. The, um, the Old Testament is rich only when you understand that from Genesis to Revelation, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me, says Jesus. John 5, 39, Psalm 40, verse 7, Revelation chapter 19, 10, 1 Peter chapter 1, 10. When you understand that Christ is the central subject and theme of Scripture, then there is a coherence between the old and the new, and we are not trying to revisit the old covenant in any kind of literal sense whatsoever. And the believers, Jew and Gentile from every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue, have their unity in God via Jesus according to the gospel, not according to Judaism. 
Going to take a break. Three lines open. one 367 1-888-367-5329. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we're back. 619. Time moving really fast. Enjoying our conversation. Two lines open. one 367 5329 Two lines open. one 367 5329 You know, if you have... Um, if you have really solid Bible teachers, the Bible will become more relevant than even the life that you are surrounded by, immersed in, and in some ways assaulted by, because you and I fundamentally live in a world that is synthetic, aberrant, and uh, functioning out of lies. Uh, that kind of perpetual unending assault by the spirit of error can cause you to not easily comprehend the uh, the person of God, the, the providence of God, the presence of God, the power of God in your life. So you really do need to press into God. You really do. I'm doing a series on the spirit of God. It's going to come up on the Monday, uh, Monday through Friday uh, new day uh, program shortly. It's going to be revolutionary for some of you who have never really went into the work of the person and work of the spirit of God. Uh, and we are now moving into that aspect of uh, the person and work of the spirit of God, where he assists the believer in prayer. And the implications of that are so absolutely profound to me. And it should be to you, too, because one of the things that's very evident to me that is that much of Christianity that's going on in our, our, our culture in America is prayerless Christianity. When I look around and I watch how Christians are behaving and how churches are functioning, uh, the, 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 the faulty predisposition on the part of many of our churches is that they operate out of programs and mechanisms that are based upon man-made confidences that are the that are the uh, direct result of uh, what we would call humanism and uh, you know market street techniques of drawing people in. Some of that is falling into a political paradigm that's departing from the gospel because a prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian who now has to take on the facade of a pseudo power image by entertainment, by, uh, by, by, by again, human methods that, that make people think somehow that God is with them. I just, I could go on and on and on about the, uh, the, the, the historic, uh, chameleon, uh, again, uh, methodology of the church and drawing people, this new thing, this, that new thing, this new fad, this new, this new agenda on the part. Well, you, and then, and then you have the, the ancient, uh, old ancient pseudo prophets who always have a miracle, who always have a word from God. And when you listen to it, it's the same old canned garbage. The same old canned garbage that the uh, the Apostle Peter plainly says, while they promise you liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. And they just they 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 get people all up in a frenzy about what God's going to do for them. And it's rooted in covetousness. Eyes of adultery, covetous children, 
That's what Peter called them. The Spirit of God calls these kinds of uh, uh, profiteers, P-R-O-F-I-T-E-E-R, making profit off of you through their pseudo-prophecies because people don't actually have an experience with the true and the living God on an authentic level of the divine nature, communing with them. And when you think about God taking on a disposition of assisting you in prayer, can you imagine that the one true and living God says, pray to me and I'll answer you by assisting you in prayer. Now, don't get it twisted. We're not not going down a pagan path, getting caught up in the heebie-jeebies. That's another distraction by the devil. But I am talking about the blessing of being able to talk to God, being empowered by God to talk to God, being empowered by God to commune with God richly and deeply and continually, particularly in difficult times. And that's what really the person of the Holy Spirit being the paraclete for the people of God is there to do, to help you be a believer in a very wicked world. Amazing love, isn't it? Amazing love. Let me go to line one and talk with Ellen for a moment. Ellen, are you there? Yes, I am, Pastor Jesse. I tell you that, that well, anyway, I don't want to get distracted. You, but but it is mind-boggling that we can communicate with the Lord, and, and that's, that's that's my strength comes every single day from that, and the Holy Spirit just guides me, and we're so fortunate yep. um, that we could we have access. It, it, it still boggles my mind. Sure, uh, sure. It, it's, it's way beyond, and I'm so humble and great. I mean, I'm just so in love with Jesus. But I this, love it. You you may not want to get into this, Pastor Jesse, but I'm going to throw it out there. You could say, Ellen, no. But let me get on. I, I had lunch with a friend of mine. They're, they're a Chinese couple. She has a daughter. Daughter just got back from China. She goes to Stanford. Sure. 19 into AI, robotics, you know, like all, uh, whatever else. She just is looking for a job with one of the tech companies. Yeah. So we're having lunch, and she asked me a question. She knows I'm Christian. She asked me a question. I'm telling you, Pastor Jesse, I don't know. Uh, the first, I don't think it's ever been brought up. I don't think it's in the body. You were talking about love last week. Now, my first the Christian love was uh, my, my first time I ever made out. It was mild, don't get me wrong, but, you know, listening to Reverend... Oh, that's too bad. That's too bad. It should it have was, been radical. It, was, it should it have was, been radical. It was uh, making out <laughs> to Reverend. There was a Reverend involved, and okay. in the background, Reverend Al Green. Let's stay together. Oh, yeah, I love it. Oh, please, let me tell you. I, even <laughs> when I hear that song now, it takes me right back. Oh, let's not go there. All right, so here's my subject. So she asked me, she said, well, you know, uh, and again, she's 19, you know, she thinks that, uh, she said, and, 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 and I didn't know what to say. So I figured, I'm going to ask Pastor Jesse, he may not want to answer. So she said, well, two things, and then I'll, I'll let you talk. You'll get mm-hmm. the gist of it quickly. Mm-hmm. She said, well, what does the Bible say? You know, you say that every, every, if you don't love the Lord, the most above everything else, it's, a, it's an idol. So she said, well, what? What does the Bible have to say? These are two things about masturbation. She said, if I'm satisfying myself, am I allowed to say that on the air? Sure. Oh, okay. I'm so nervous. Um, so she said, well, what is it? And I thought, well, wait a minute. The Bible's never addressed that. But if we're, if we're, sat, we're supposed to be sexual with a husband, between a husband and a wife, 
and I don't know, I didn't know how to answer her. So that's my first question. Does a, is there any way to answer her? The other thing that's really distressing, just what you were saying, synthetic, and I'm in this world, I couldn't even believe it. She said, well, you know, my brother, he's, he's going to university in China. And she said, he just got a uh, fabulous, she, and the way she said it, fabulous uh, sex doll. This is big in China now. Sure, it's been, been around for a long time. Oh, yeah, a long, long time, but they're barely very advanced. I won't go into it. But anyway, and so she said, but, but I don't think that that's, a, a, I don't think the Lord would mind because it's not a person. He's just, you know, it's a sort of like an enhanced masturbation. I don't think he's doing anything that wouldn't be biblically sound. I didn't know what to say. My mouth fell open. I really didn't know how to address. And I would like to know actually about masturbation. I, I didn't know what to say to her. This is such a fallen word, world that she was saying, he doesn't want to get married. He doesn't want to have kids. But he needs to address that. Now he has this beautiful sex doll I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Yeah, I talked about this. I talked about this two years ago. I talked about it last year. Here's what I said, and then I'll talk a little bit about um, masturbation, which I actually addressed in our last Rules of Engagement. I do marriage series, Ellen, every two years at Grayson. You can go online and go through our marriage series. And uh, we always have about two or three hundred people come out. I'll have another one sometime either before the year is out or in the early part of the new year, because I, I try to help new young couples navigate their way through the uh, murky and uh, rough waters of marriage early on, and then try to help older uh, believers um, get back on track. And, and it's really deep. It's really, it's really rich. And I get into all of this because that is the place where you actually have to demonstrate that God actually instituted marriage. You can't talk about God instituting marriage and not be willing to talk about sex and not be willing to talk about what is sex about? Why is sex uh, there? What makes us as sexual creatures uh, a, a significant and viable component in the Imago Dei? And how should sexuality actually be, be used subserviently to honor God? We deal with all that because it has to be dealt with. And therefore, because of the biological uh, factors that go into the, the procreative mandate, uh, God knows that we are going to, at a certain point in our life, if we are healthy, become horny. So I talk about uh, the horny period, particularly for young teens. Um, if you haven't been sexualized at an early age, you're going to always have some aberrations where kids are uh, sexualized uh, in many ways at six or seven years old. And so they're going to masturbate and play. So let me uh, talk about both of those. Uh, uh, briefly. One is artificial intelligence is here to stay with us. It is part of the consequence of the fall and our inability to, to operate in communion with God, one, and thus operate out of our function, out of a full Imago Dei satisfaction. We are created in the image of God, but in our fallenness, we are broken and broken at the level of vertical relationship with God and therefore broken at the level of horizontal relationship with one another. What that means is we have always had to deal with levels of dissatisfaction with our walk with God, levels of dissatisfaction with our walk with our fellow man, in spite of the sustained procreative mandate, 
that operates within our biological makeup. Hence, uh, if a young lady or a young man does not have all of the essential uh, uh, apparatus and resources to help them manage their developmental processes from pre-adolescent to adolescent and from adolescent to to adulthood in a way that uh, stymies and minimizes their uh, curiosity about hormonal development, horny manifestations, wet dreams, ejaculations, and all of that good stuff that comes with being a human being, um, then they can be distracted by a body that's urging a conjugal relationship, which is what God mandated for the purpose of procreative objectives. God meant for mankind to be his sons and daughters, to procreate early and to have many children in order to fill the earth with sons and daughters that glorify God in subduing the earth, managing the earth, stewarding the earth uh, as his image bearers, loving God, loving one another and enjoying covenant relationship. So when Genesis 2:24 says, and for this cause shall a man leave his mother and father and the twain shall become one flesh. This is this was my text 2 years ago in our marriage class and I talked about the twain becoming one flesh as the struggle and process of unity by which the outcome would be the two becoming one and human beings are produced because you can't produce human beings without the two becoming one. So what's going on today is that there is still the biological drive, but there is not the mental and spiritual understanding that that would couple that biological drive with a God glorifying outcome or objective. In other words, those young people who are engaging in sex today are doing it as unregenerate men and women disconnected from God and therefore practicing idolatry, pornography, and, uh, and, 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 and in many cases, uh, self-gratification that leads nowhere. Now, let me, let me, and in fact, getting engaged with uh, synthetic human beings, which is what AI is, is one of the most evidential and grotesque manifestations of our fallenness that can be. Uh, and yet it affirms this reality that we were made for relationship. So here, her friend, if not brother of this Asian, young Asian girl is a male who uh, may have all things necessary for life, but because he doesn't have godliness, he has succumbed to being lower than the beast. He's now going to have his pleasures met with a robot. Um, a false human being, a pseudo image of God. And it's probably a male, uh, a female. So he's going to operate out of a synthetic heterosexual paradigm as he does it, which affirms biblical truth that we were made in the Imago Dei and that God gave us the mandate to procreate. But because of our, our fallenness, we don't know how to enter into a relationship to find a complementarian partner and to do it God's way. Now, getting and so therefore that's going to be a problem in our world and it's going to be even more of a problem for the reprobate and the reprobates will increase reprobate minds are men and women who do not operate under the preservation of God's spirit so as to think properly and to act properly 
operating out of more a moral uh, a moral framework and ethical breaks that allow them to live their best life according to God's design. A reprobate mind will devolve into beastly behavior as described in Romans chapter one. And even though Romans chapter one does not talk about artificial intelligence, Romans chapter one says we will devolve into creature worship. So we will leave the natural uh, God ordained heterosexual drive and engage in homosexuality, engage in lesbianism, engage in bestiality. And now, as I stated it two years ago, of course, we're going to move from screwing dogs and cats and horses and all of that, thinking uh, under a false egalitarianism, because that's where our world is in its paganism today. Paganism is rushing into the church, rushing into the secular worldview and making everyone equal uh, without distinction. Uh, Of course, we're going to have sex with uh, robots because now we are like gods. We can create things in our own image. Only it has no life. This is Revelation chapter 12 and Revelation 13. And the image of the beast was given as it were life so that it could speak and so that it could talk and so that it could appear to be alive and it will deceive many uh, and be brought into captivity and be destroyed if they are not such as succumb unto the fascist powers of the Babylonian system. That's the image of the beast in Revelation chapter 12 and 13. Politics and religion, that's apostate. Politics, that's secular without God. Religion, that's apostate without God, will work in cahoots to justify all of these aberrant behaviors. This is why biblical Christians must operate out of a biblical worldview, understanding heterosexual binary gender exclusive principles as the only way to honor God, not any other form will ultimately honor God. Now, I'm going to take a break. And when I come back, I'll say one more thing about masturbation relative to the struggle that one will have while as yet they are not coupled with a spouse who can help meet that need, which is a fundamental objective in marriage. I'll talk about when that when I come back because everybody's listening right now. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine is the number if you want to call and argue about what I'm saying. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine is the number to reach me on the Monday edition of Life. I'm going to talk about masturbating when we come back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. The time six forty four. This will probably uh, take us to the end of the hour. A uh, couple things. It's actually a big topic in the sense that masturbation has suffered like uh, many uh, difficult, kind of shameful, um, private, deeply personal, intimate uh, human behavior patterns have suffered at the hands of legalistic Christians, fearful Christians, your hyper-puritanical Christian who does not know how to necessarily engage nuanced topics without a black, white, yes or no answer. A lot of times the answers have been given out of a pure sense of phobic, uh, um, a phobic non-referenced 
a, a status that 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 makes an individual or a group of people basically demonize the concept of of uh, of um, of masturbation uh, purely on the surface of it, kind of like they did many many years ago around sex. Period. I mean, you look at the Catholic Church. Um, this happened almost a thousand years after Christ. Uh, the Catholic church wasn't always what you see the Roman Catholic church to be in terms of the priests having to be celibate, which was an absolutely damning thing to do. Just utterly damning. Uh, the notion that the, the, the father, the patir, uh, should be himself uh, free from the normative relational uh, processes of his laity members as if somehow he operates out of a transcendent status is demonic. What it did was put every priest in a pseudo uh, Christ-like office, which there's a lot of theology behind that for them, and they know it, where somehow they are a vicar of Christ, uh, when in fact they're just sinful human beings, just like you and me. That's why the Catholic Church is falling apart at the level of the priesthood right now, because many of them want to jump out of the closet, not just open the closet, jump out, because they're they're very clear that sexuality has just completely ruined the reputation of the priesthood uh, under the false notion of celibacy, and celibacy is a gift. Um, so let me get back to a fundamental around masturbation, masturbation, uh, on an, uh, organic biological level is something virtually all creatures who are called to conjugation do at the youngest ages. Psychologists know this. Sociologists know this. Mom and daddy know this. They see it. All right. Give, give me an amen. Let me keep it moving. So so don't ever turn to your kids and say you're sinning because you're playing with your private parts because they're tripping when you do that because it feels good. They discovered how good it feels to play with themselves and uh, older kids know how to do that. You did it. I did it. We all done it. If you if you're healthy, you've done it. You found the hot spots and you've played with yourself. Um, and that is absolutely normal. What you discovered were you were a creature made to couple with somebody. That's what that means. And so what you tell your kids is, hey, that's a gift. But you have to understand what that gift is about. And so be very careful about demonizing something that is intrinsic to their biological makeup designed to glorify God at the right time. Because delayed gratification, particularly for our kids, is the way we train them. There are tons of things that our kids should be free to enjoy at the right time down the line. You can tell them don't masturbate, bait. God doesn't like that all you want to. All you're going to do is make them hate God. And when they go in the closet, they're going to masturbate more. What you need to tell them is that there are ways to deal with the growing urge to, to masturbate in the climax. There are ways to deal with that feel good. Um, so kids will understand that and they will, they will live with the tension of it feels good, but I really shouldn't be doing this because it has a lot of, uh, let's say outcome, uh, uncomfortableness. You wet on yourself, 
both the girl and the boy. And now you got to deal with all that because all of that was to be done in the context of partnership and covenant where it becomes a beautiful thing and you, you deal with it in a process. So the idea of getting wet and, and, you know, boys ejaculating and girls having orgasms that becomes a problem when, uh, when, when they start allowing that stuff, that stuff to be a pattern for them. So they need to know how to have channels to avoid that climax. So, yeah, that's a whole strategy of techniques. I'm not getting into that. But don't condemn your kids for uh, feeling good about their bodies. And this is even much more complex with girls. So I'm not going to even go there. Um, This is why we want them to grow up with a healthy mindset of loving God, loving themselves, loving their bodies and being ready to love their men with their bodies and men too, respecting both sides. Grown folks. All right, grown folks got a thousand issues around this, just a thousand issues, because in all of the sort of panoramic struggles that we deal with in our world and the um, the impact that this panoramic struggle brings about in our life, it's just fundamentally stress. And that stress forces us to engage in whatever forms of outlet we can. It doesn't matter what it is, sports. Uh, uh, um, uh, entertainment of some kind, <clears throat> uh, in, uh, imbibing uh, to relax us, etc. There's your whole spectrum. You are inevitably engaging in something in order to minimize your stress. The privilege of um, of being a sexual creature is that you can do that with a with a partner in the context of. Um, of sexual intimacy with all of the foreplay and everything that goes into it. Uh, and you don't have to deal with the crazy, you know, outcome. Here's what I want to say. I'm just say a few things about it, but there's so much more to be said about it. It is a temporary phenomenon. Okay. It's a temporary phenomenon. In other words, as a rule, you're going to get old and, uh, and that's it. <laughs> so one day we're just going to go, Oh, that thing is gone. I I kind of missed it, but it's gone. And so I don't have to actually deal with that urge anymore because it's a temporal thing. God meant, for, meant it to be. When you get there, you get to shout hallelujah. Uh, I'm almost an angel now. But until then, you have to know how to manage that. And and rather than, and I've said this in, in my class, there's more to it than this. Rather than be uh, suppressed in such a way that you are almost compelled to lust after a woman or lust after a man, masturbation becomes an outlet when you keep your head right. It's not to be done with porn. It's not to be done with images. It's not to be done uh, in a context in which you are facilitating somebody else as a stimulant. Uh, And it's only to be done because you want to avoid fornication. You just want to avoid it. You just need to relax. Again, women are way better at it than men. Men always seem like they got to have some women on the screen or some image. You don't. And if you don't have the gift of uh, celibacy and if you don't have the power to restrain in that area and, and a lot don't, you are going to masturbate. So don't even don't even come. Don't call me and, and argue any kind of, you know, alternative. 
You, you go get help all you want to salt Peter. There are ways that you can su- you can subdue that if you want to. What I'm getting at is that there are going to be people who in avoiding fornication while as yet they're waiting for that opportunity to enter into covenant because they hold a high view of sexuality. They are going to pleasure themselves. It's just it's just going to happen. It's temporal. In fact, it's a gift. Uh, to discover that your body has pleasurable components to it. It's a, it's a very much a gift and, and, and not all have it. Some people are biological uh, eunuchs. There are women who have never had an orgasm. Uh, there are men who just really don't know what it's like to have a rise or ejaculation, you know, far and few in between, but there are some. Listen, the world doesn't end because you don't have an orgasm. The world doesn't end because you do. It just simply happens to be that God made you and I creatures that have the potentiality of reproducing life in the context of conjugation and without having these biological urges, quite frankly, quite frankly. Come on now, let's just let's think this through for a moment. You know how hard it is for men and women, as a rule, to really get along, right? <laughs> you know how we just have our ways. Men are from Venus, women are from Mars. I mean, you know, not biblically, but the differences are significant and substantial, aren't they? If there was not the capacity within ourselves to find pleasure in the opposite sex, in the context of covenant, We'd have a hard time getting along with our counterparts. Yes, we would. If God didn't give us that component, brothers would just hang out with brothers doing sports and, you know, going into pseudo battles or killing things or tan up stuff or building stuff. Because that's how we how we exercise our outlet in terms of uh, stresses and, and, and things like that. God made us that way. That's why your kids jump all through the walls, and especially your gorillas. Um, but God made us these kind of creatures. So don't demonize it, channel it, restrain it in a way that allows you to avoid, uh, mental adultery, mental fornication, um, uh, it to, you know, um, a, a, a practice that will allow release where release has to take place. <clears throat> But don't become addicted to it. Don't become addicted to something that really is designed to be shared. Now, in that we're talking about masturbation, really, we could be talking about a lot of things that have an addictive potentiality to it, particularly where that good thing that should be done with temperance and with some integrity and virtue is only to be done in the context of a relationship. So as we're talking about masturbation, which happens naturally with kids and can happen intentionally with adults and does happen with teenagers, men and women, because our minds roam and we had a great time today and it doesn't even have to be a a male female dynamic. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't have me to have to just, you know, tell you to stop acting silly. You, you you had a great day and it had nothing to do with girls. Fellas knows what I'm talking about. 
And then all of a sudden, boom, that happens. You go, how does the price of tea in China relate to my being happy at this moment? And uh, and that's for boys, for men. I, I don't have any idea what the female <laughs> gymnastics are all about. I do talk to enough sisters to help me out with some of that. And I am still fundamentally miffed by you guys. I'm talking to two of my sisters uh, and your uh your the the um the complex world of female sexuality uh and all of the diversity that goes on with that and the capacity for you to uh to to explore yourselves uh and still be virtuous godly uh women in the sight of God God bless you just absolutely God bless you don't ever take a good thing that God made and make it an ugly thing um and if you're still desiring a mate so that y'all can share that, um, let's pray to that end that that occurs. But in the interim, um, just uh, seek uh, a balance so that your conscience is clear uh, that God did not place a burden on you so heavy um, just because he made you a sexual creature. Um, so that's all I'm going to say. If you want to look at the book, 25 Questions on Sex, Intimacy and Love. And it will begin to cover that really good material out there. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus that walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. Whatsoever things are pure and lovely and good and just and virtuous and of a good report, think on these things. And remember, there's a day coming when there will be something much greater than sex into which we will enter for all eternity and ecstasy of a divine nature in the presence of God Almighty for all of those that put their trust in him. In Jesus name. Amen. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.